morning so glad you're here this morning thank you worship team for leading us this morning i know that song if you're on the mountaintop it's easy to sing that god has good plans for us i also recognize if you're in the valley this morning maybe you got some difficult news this week we sing that song by faith that our god has good plans for us absolutely we celebrate that he has good plans um we're going through that journey again with heather's mom uh with her cancer battle starting again this wednesday so but we trust we believe that god has good plans it doesn't mean good things always happen to us it doesn't mean that all things go hunky-dory and all things go well but we have a god that has good plans for us and he has us in mind he sees you he knows you welcome those uh those join us online so glad you're here today those that are in the room we're glad you're here i'm excited about this message today we're going to go to genesis we're not going to go very far from where we were last week we're going to go to genesis uh chapter 32 a few chapters back if you want to join me in your bibles or if you want to join me in your uh, smartphone devices or if you want to join me behind me you can do that as well uh i'm excited about this series it's called names and uh, names are important names give us value they give us meaning um they tell us that we're known that somebody knows us. We like to be called by our name. Uh, it does show value in that way. And so as we think about names today, um, we looked last week at the name. We're looking right now at the names, these four weeks, the names God's changed. And when God changed a name, he did it for a purpose. There was great significance to it. Last week, we talked about Abraham and how his name was changed from Abram to Abraham. And this set him on a new course, a new destiny, a new, a new divine purpose. It signified a new relationship, a new standing. Uh, in the same way, sometimes when you think about um, uh, ladies, with, if you're married and you change your name to your husband's last name, it changed, it changed kind of an identity and a status and it changed the relationship. It changed the destiny and, 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 a, and a purpose of being together. Uh, that's what God does when he changes names. Last week, we looked at Abram and how God added to his name the of God, which is the breath of God, the life of God. He added uh, the grace of God. The, the letter H is the fifth letter in the Hebrew Bible. And that is the grace of God. That represents the grace of God. So really, in a nutshell, the message last week, if you missed it, or as a reminder this week, as we kind of continue on, is God added himself to Abraham. God added himself and he added his grace to Abraham. And when God adds himself to your life and his grace to your life, it's a game changer. It changes everything. So today we're going to continue on. But last week I kind of talked about some nicknames and kind of had some fun with that. I want to ask you this morning a question. Do you, any of you here in this room have younger siblings specifically younger siblings that were annoying to grow up with uh an annoying little sister some are raising their hands yeah some uh, annoying little sister annoying little brother you had younger siblings and if they're sitting next to you right now how brave of you to raise your hand right now um i was that annoying little brother my sister i have one sister she's five years older than me i was an annoying little 
brother. I, um, I remember in grade school and she was in middle school, she was on the cheerleading team and they practiced across the street at a park that was right across the street from our house. Uh, one Christmas I was given a PA system that I could use a walkie talkie and I could, uh, I'd put this PA system out in the front yard and from my window, from looking behind, she couldn't see me. I would join in all of her cheers. She, she just loved it. I mean, she just, all of her friends, all of her middle school friends, they just loved it when I, when I began the cheer. And I knew all their cheers, you know, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, go bananas, B-A-N-A. I would do that. Actually, she would come home irate. I mean, she was so mad. She was livid. Now, the good news is my parents actually kind of thought it was a little bit funny. So, Nothing really happened to me. I remember there was times where uh, she had a, a boyfriend that um, was getting out of the car to, to take her on a date. And I was having a water fight with some of my friends. And I thought it'd be funny as soon as he got out of the car to throw a big old bucket of water on top of him. He didn't find it so funny. Um, I remember a time when my parents would try to protect, protect my sister from maybe some guys that liked her, but she didn't really like them back. And they'd be upstairs on the phone. I'd pick up the same time. And they were like, no, I don't see her. And I was like, I see her. She's right here. You can talk to her. I was the annoying little brother. Let's take it a little step farther. That's kind of funny. Ha ha. But let's take it to, um, this doesn't have to be a brother or a sibling, but do you know someone in your life who is, um, they've cheated you. They've lied. They're a manipulator. They're a schemer. They're a deceiver. Uh, maybe a betrayer. They've done those things to you. And uh, so I'm a little more serious right now. If you have those people in your life or you had those people in your life, my guess is you don't like those people very much. We don't like people who deceive us, lie to us, trick us, scheme us, manipulate us, betray us. We don't like those kind of people. Today, we're talking about Jacob. Abraham's grandson. And what I just described in the first two kind of illustrations this morning describes who Jacob is. Jacob is the annoying, he's beyond an annoying little brother. He's the little brother from, you know, that place. I mean, he, he's the little brother you did not want. To say that Jacob was not a good little brother is an understatement. He was not a good little brother. He was not, he was, he was selfish. He thought of himself. He deceived his brother. We're going to see today how he deceived, how he, he thought only of what advanced him and his cause. He had no concern for his, for his brother, for his family. Um, I would just say this next to the dictionary, um, in the old Testament, Jacob would be next to the word jerk. He was a jerk. Now I know uh, this is one of the couple of the meanings of the, the name Jacob. It means grasping at the heel or supplanter. And uh, he would live up to this name with his older twin brother Esau. Esau came out first. Um, he would go on to live up this name. He was always grasping at, for himself. He was always trying to get what wasn't his. He was always deceiving, lying. He just lived that life. He was not a good younger brother. He was not a great member of the family, very much in his self-interest. And so today we're going to look at a couple places. First of all, kind of where Jacob started and how it all started with he and his brother. Isaac prayed. So we have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled with each other within her and she said, why is this happening to me? 
So she went to inquire of the Lord. Already, before they've been born, there's problems. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. And when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first came out and was red. I'm kind of partial to that. And his whole body was like a hairy garment, not so partial to that. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he named him Jacob. Now we hear all throughout, you always hear Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And those three names are revered. They're held in high esteem. And it was always God's plan. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Esau was the older But it was never like, hey, Esau's plan A, Esau messed up, Esau didn't do what I wanted, he didn't fulfill what I was thinking, so we went to plan B and I made it Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. No, we see in the scripture here that the older would serve the younger out of the gate. God's plan was, it would be Abraham, Isaac, and the younger Jacob. Why God's plan is that way, I don't know. But God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And so sometimes we just have to trust God with this plan, even when it doesn't make sense. But we do know that Jacob, although he was blessed by God, and he was the plan. Now, he didn't necessarily know this, but nonetheless, he went through his life cheating, stealing, manipulating, betraying. That's how he lived his life. And so when we think about these names and think about Jacob specifically, um, a couple things that he did. I wish we had time to read, you know, chapters 24, 25, all the way through 32. We don't have time for that. So I'm going to give you a Reader's Digest version. Some of you know this better than I do. Some of you don't. But a couple things about it that Jacob did is one is he stole his brother's birthright and he stole his brother's blessing. That's not a big deal to us. It's not part of our culture and our society. But in that season, in that time, it was huge. It was a big deal. The eldest son uh, was given a lot of responsibility, was also given a lot of blessings and privilege. And so um, the older brother would get over, would get half of the, uh, uh, over half the inheritance, double the inheritance. The older brother, the eldest brother in a Hebrew family would be given superior rank. I mean, it would be the superior rank in the family. And then later on, so you're, you're given your birthright. Now the blessing was something that was kind of most of the time went to the older brother, but it wasn't guaranteed. wasn't always, but most of the time it did. And the blessing was really a lot of times a confirmation or affirmation of the birthright and that you were going to be blessed. You were going to be the, you would carry the leadership of the family to the next generation. You would be the leader. And there's a bunch of good stories in here that would be great to preach on. Like, you know, Esau, um, he had a part to play in this. The older brother, he sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. There's a lot of messages on that. We don't have time for that today. There's, there's the blessing that Jacob came in. He deceived his dad with the help of his mom. Mom had a favorite, that was Jacob. Dad had a favorite, that was Esau. It's never a good thing in a family when you have favorite kids. It just doesn't work out very well. But he was the favorite of his mom 
And Esau went off to uh, make game for his dad who was failing and dying. And his eyesight was leaving him. And Jacob sneaked in with his mother's help, brought this great stew to him and this great meal to him, put hairy uh, animal skins on his arm. And he tricked his dad into giving him his blessing. Think of it this way. Might be familiar with this movie, The Lion King. We got... We got Scar here. Of course, you can tell who the bad guy is. If you haven't seen the movie, you can just look at the picture and tell that this is Mufasa. This is Scar. They're brothers. Mufasa's the elder brother. Mufasa's the one with the birthright. Mufasa's the one with the blessing. It's going to pass on to his son, Simba. Scar doesn't like this. We know that Scar tries to deceive. He tries to lie. He tries to steal the birthright and the blessing. And in the end, uh, you know, Mufasa does lose his, lose his life, but he does pass the blessing on to his son and the good guy wins in the end and we have Simba who becomes the king imagine wipe that out imagine if that movie didn't go that way imagine if all of Scar's plans came to fruition imagine he didn't just win for a little bit like he did in the movie but imagine at the end of the movie he's on top the bad guy wins Simba and Mufasa they're out they're done and and that is the story of Jacob the good guy's not winning here. He was deceiver. He was a liar. He was a manipulator. And we hold him in high esteem. There's a reason for that today. But where he was at that time, you wouldn't like anything about Jacob. He's the younger brother you would despise. But here's what happened. We reap what we sow. And Jacob, he lied, deceived, manipulated his birthright and, and the blessing away from his brother. And over the next uh, period of years, he'd be on the run because Esau was so angry and so upset. He was determined in his heart. and He made it known, I'm going to kill my little brother. I've had it. I'm done. I'm killing him. And so Jacob now has to go on the run. And for the next 20 years, he is running for his life. He goes to another relative, Laban. Laban is his uncle and would become his father-in-law. There's some weird things that happen in the Bible. We don't have time to explain that. But uncle, father-in-law, I mean, it sounds like something happened in Kentucky. But um, he... He, he, becomes, he becomes his father-in-law. Uh, he meets his match. He actually is reaping what he sowed. He gets a taste of his own medicine. Laban tricks Jacob into marrying the daughter that he doesn't love, Leah, and the one that's not attractive to him. And uh, he works for seven years thinking he's going to get the younger, the Rachel, the one he's in love with. But he actually gets Leah. And then he has to work another seven years to earn Rachel. And so now he has two wives. And sometimes it's, I mean, the Bible can be a little bit different. And so if you're kind of thinking, what's the deal with the two wives? And why four wives? And all this, why is this? The Bible is set up in two ways. It's descriptive and prescriptive. Description is it describes things that happen. Prescription is this is how we should live. This is the prescription that God has for us, that Jesus has for us. Whenever you read in the Old Testament about someone having multiple wives, that is a description of how their culture was, what their lives were like. It's not a prescription. If you're thinking about a second wife or if you ever thought about having one, you're not being biblical. You're being weird. It's, it's not a good thing. But that's how it was in that day. It was normal. It wasn't a weird thing. It wasn't a Kentucky thing. Sorry, Pastor Brandon, anybody else from Kentucky. Um, it's not a Kentucky thing. It was normal in their society. But he's planted these seeds of deception. He's met his match. Laban, Laban is, a, is a father-in-law. is not a good father-in-law. He deceives. He manipulates. He changes Jacob's wages six different times without telling him. 
It's not fair. And Jacob does a lot of deceiving back with his father-in-law. I mean, their whole relationship is built on deception. And so Jacob burns the bridges with his brother Esau. And now, 20 years later, he's burned the bridges with his with his father-in-law Laban and now he's going to run and and take his wives Laban's daughters and they're going to run but he has no place to go he's between a rock and a hard place he's reaped what he sowed he's planted seeds of deception and when you plant seeds of deception you're going to reap division and he was, so he's got divided family everywhere this is dysfunctional family 101 so here we are Jacob is ran from 20 years from his, his, his brother. Now he's on the run from his uncle. He has no place to go. He's, he's, in a, he's, he's, in a, he's in a rock and a hard place. And that's where we pick up the story. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons. And they crossed the fort of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent them over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. Jacob was left alone. He was afraid. And when you're alone and you're afraid, that's when you have the sleepless nights. That's when you begin to wrestle. That's when we wrestle. I don't know about you, but when you're, when you're feeling alone or maybe abandoned or when you're feeling afraid, uh, anxiety seems to creep, creep in and you begin to wrestle. But this isn't just any wrestling match, but this is a man wrestled with him till daybreak. But, daybreak. but this isn't any man. This is God. This is uh, what uh, theologians describe as a theophany or a Christophany. A theophany or a Christophany is where God shows up in human form in the Old Testament. Pre-incarnate Christ. A Christophany is when Christ shows up in certain places in the Old Testament as a man. And, and it's they call it a Christophany. The, the old story that we grew up maybe in Sunday school, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown into the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar looks out there and he sees a force standing with them. We, our kids learn this in, 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 in kids' classes and stuff. They, they see a fourth person in there that wasn't in the fire with them before. That's a Christophany. It's a pre-incarnate uh, appearance of Christ or theophany is a, a human appearance of, of God. It might be through an angel, it might be through a man, but he is wrestling. We're going to see he's wrestling with a man. He doesn't know that maybe yet, but he's soon going to know that he is wrestling with a man. And when we're with, with God and when we're alone with our thoughts and we're anxious and we're afraid, I think that's when we begin often to wrestle with God. And when we wrestle with God, we have two choices. When we wrestle with God, we have two choices. One is I can run from God or two, I can engage like Jacob did or wrestle with God. And Jacob chooses to wrestle with God. And I don't know where you are today, friends, or those watching online. I don't know where you are. You might be here this morning and you're wrestling with God. You're wrestling with some things that aren't making sense to you in a relationship and in, in something in your life or something that's going on physically. You're wrestling with God. And can I just say, it's a good place to wrestle with God. What you don't wanna do, it never goes well to run from God. Jacob actually did a good thing. 
he wrestles with God. And he's wrestling with these things and he chooses to engage with God. And so if you're here today and you're wrestling, you're engaging, maybe, maybe you don't know, maybe you're struggling, maybe you're struggling with doubts, you're wrestling with doubts of God and who he is and what he's doing and what he's up to. I say it's a good thing to wrestle with God. God can handle it. He's a big God, we're gonna see. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with till him till daybreak. I want us to see this. God is the one who initiates the wrestling. God always initiates first. God always initiates first. We only love God because God first loved us. We didn't go and find God. God came and found us. God sent his only son that whoever believes in him shall not die but have everlasting life. He was sent to us. We didn't go to him. We had no way to him. He initiates first. He always initiates first in the relationship. So when the man saw that he could no longer overpower him, he touched the socket. He's talking about Jacob. When the man, no, I'm sorry, this is God. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let go until you bless me. Uh, The hip socket, the hip joint, is the biggest joint socket in the body. It is something that you wouldn't be able to, you know, uh, with your human power, be able to take someone else and cause that hip to disjoint. You wouldn't have, you'd have to be uh, incredible strength. And this just goes to show again that this is God. This is God that touches him. And this is God that uh, disjoints him. And puts him in a place. This is not human power. And I think it's almost if God is saying to Jacob in this moment, you're not as big as you think you are. You're wrestling me, but you're not as big as you think you are. And if you're wrestling today with some things, with some emotions, with some discouragement, with some setbacks in a relationship, in a health, whatever it may be, I want to encourage you to do this other thing that Jacob did. Don't let go. Refuse to let go until God blesses you with his presence. Jacob refused to let go. He wasn't gonna win, but he wasn't gonna let go. He refused to let go until he was blessed with his presence. I thought of my mom and dad. I'm so thankful for my mom and dad and they're getting close to their mid eighties. My dad's proud of that. My mom, not so much, but that's where they are. I'm so proud. I'm so proud to be their son. I'm thankful for the legacy of faith that they've lived in front of me. They weren't perfect. They're not perfect. No one's perfect, but they did live a life and some stories that have been passed on to me. And one of the stories that my dad and mom told us from a young age was their struggles when they first went into the ministry. My dad felt a call to be a pastor. He trained for that in college, went out to his first church. He was pastoring that first church in Missouri. And over a couple, first couple years, he just kind of felt beat up, spit out, and he got discouraged. And he and my mom said, you know what? We're done with this. We're just gonna leave the ministry. We're not leaving God, but we're gonna leave the ministry. We're gonna be the best lay people. We're gonna be the best churchmen. We're gonna go to this church. We're gonna be that pastor's number one supporter. That's who we're gonna be. We're just not gonna be a pastor anymore. So my dad taught fifth grade. My mom taught uh, uh, English in high school. And for the next couple of years, they taught until a Sunday night in the winter that year, uh, there was a, a guest preacher that came to that church on a Sunday night. 
And it so spoke, like sometimes God speaks, he speaks sometimes directly to our hearts. And he spoke directly to my parents' heart, telling them exactly that they needed to be in the ministry. That's not where God had them. They needed to be back in the ministry. And they wrestled with that. They didn't want to. And that night they went home, unbeknownst to that guest preacher or their pastor at that time, they went home that night and they wrestled with God. And they wrestled to God with God, praying into the wee hours of Monday morning, two, three o'clock, I don't know what it was, but they wrestled and prayed to God. But they came to a place that they submitted to God. They, they submitted to his, uh, to his authority and they said, you win. You, you win, we're gonna do this. And so the next morning, Monday morning, my dad drops my mom off at the high school. The head football coach of the high school jumps in my dad's car and says, hey, I just wanna tell you, we have a vacancy in our freshman football coach this next year. And I want you to be that freshman football coach. My dad loved football like I love football and he loves sports. And, and he, that would have been, if it happened Friday, he would have said yes on the spot. But in that moment, he said, thank you. But no, thank you. At the end of this year, Helen and I are gonna take the first church that God gives us. 35 years later, it wasn't perfect, wasn't always easy. But what I want us to take from that story this morning is they weren't gonna let go and they were gonna pray through until God blessed them with, their pres- with his presence. This isn't about getting what you want. They didn't want to go back into the ministry. This is about refusing to let God, to let go of God until he blesses you with his presence. So the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. I just read a book here in the last uh, week with uh, Max Lucado. It's his newest book. God will never let you, let, let you down or de- not down. God will never let you go. I think it's the title of it. And uh, I was reading it and it was all in the story of Jacob. I think it just came out Tuesday. And so I was reading this and I loved how he talked about how we just read the scripture and it just goes from, you know, sentence to sentence to sentence. And we just read it like there's no break in the action. But he said, and I tend to agree with him. He said, when he said, what is your name? When God says, what is your name? He says, I don't think this was a quick reply. I don't think it was, hey, I'm Jacob. He said, I think there was a long pause. He goes, I think there might've even been a, a man that stuttered. Because God knew who he was. He didn't need to know who his name was. But when he was asking him what his name was, what he was having to say is he was having to confess who he was. That he was Jacob. That he was a fraud. That he was a liar. He was saying, I'm a fraud. I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. I'm a manipulator. I've lived for myself and for myself only. To say the name Jacob had a bigger connotation than just saying a name. It was identifying him as a sinner who was far from God, who needed God's mercy and needed God's help. Then the man said, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. Because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob, the one that means grasping at the hill, supplanter, deceiver, manipulator, the guy none of us would ever like, has given the name Israel. And just like Abraham, he's given the name. He didn't earn the name. He didn't deserve the name. It is a gift. It is grace. It is God giving him a name that he does not deserve. A name that means struggles with God and one. 
It, it, it means, I love this meaning. There's several meanings of the name, but the main the name Israel, God fights. Jacob went from fighting for himself to letting God fight for him and fighting with God and not against God. He went, to, he went from fighting for himself to, to fighting for God and letting God fight his battles for him. I love a song we sang last week that God fights our battles. And so often, how often do we pick up the weapons and we try to fight our own battles and God's saying, are you gonna let go? Are you gonna let me do this? You gonna let me fight your battles? Are you gonna let me go before you? He changed his name to Israel. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel saying, it's because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. Jacob knows. Jacob now knows he's been wrestling with God and he knows there's no way he could win. God let him win. God let him survive. God spared his life. God could have wiped him out. He could have just wiped him from the face of the earth, but he spared his life. It's kind of like our kids, maybe grandkids. And when I get, maybe get older, you still do this. But when our kids were little and we wrestled with our kids and we wrestled and had fun with them and sometimes so they wouldn't get discouraged, we'd let them win and we'd let them kind of pin us down. We know that we're letting them win. They don't know that. Jacob knows. Jacob knows that he is not one that God, he's wrestled with God and God has preserved his life and let him win. And because of that, God let you prevail in Christ. Let Christ prevail in you. That's what it means for us. Through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross, the victory that he won, he prevailed. So let Christ prevail in you. Let God win in your life. Let God be first in your life. I can't help but think of Jacob where we started today. And I can't help, and I can't help but think there's a few of you out there thinking, there's something about this story that's not right. There's something about this story that's unfair. There's something about this story that's unjust. Why are we letting why is God letting someone who's been unjust, someone who's been a liar, a schemer, a deceiver, a betrayer, why is he giving him a new name? Why is he letting this guy win? There's something that seems unjust about it. We wouldn't like it if Scar won in the Lion King. This is like letting Jacob win. And he didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. It's, it's really not just. Esau didn't deserve that. Esau didn't deserve to be betrayed. He didn't deserve to be deceived. He had a nasty little brother that treated him all sorts of wrong. And I don't know about you, but I can get kind of angry and mad because sometimes we can look at God and say, God, this isn't just. God, this isn't fair. I don't understand. If you were a fair God, you would do this. If you were a just God, you would do this. But you know what? The longer I live, the more I've come to the conclusion I've started to really fall in love with Jacob because I realize that Jacob isn't someone else. Jacob's me. I'm Jacob. I'm the sinner. Oh, my sins may be different. Maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't deceive someone. Maybe I didn't betray someone, but I've sought myself and what's best for me. I've stepped over others to get my advantage 
We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And now I I start to see this as what we are in the story. We're Jacob. And the reason we need to love Jacob and the reason I'm coming to love and love Jacob is this. To love Jacob is to love mercy. To love Jacob is not to love justice. We don't want God's justice. We don't want God to be fair. We want God to be incredibly unfair with us. Because if we get what is fair, we deserve hell. But he gives us heaven. We, we don't deserve his grace. We, we don't deserve his mercy. To love Jacob is to love mercy because we are Jacob. And God has chosen in his mercy to show us his love of the Father through sending his son, Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for mercy. When I stand before God one day and we all will stand before God in his judgment seat, we will not stand there wanting justice. We will not we will not stand there wanting what we have coming because what we have coming is not good. We want God's mercy. I close with the last verse. How it all finished out. He said, the sun rose He'd wrestled all night. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel and he was limping because he had a limp. God had touched him. And from then on, for the rest of his life, people would know him and recognize him for the limp that he had. It became a symbol and a badge of honor for the Hebrews and for the Jews. They won't eat that part of the animal that where the hip joint the hip joint is as a testimony, as a memorial to how great and merciful God is. And that Jacob wrestled with God and God spared his life and let him win. And friends, sometimes we will go through things in our life. In fact, I just I think it's not the mountaintops that has marked me. It's been the valleys and the setbacks that God has used. My sinfulness, my brokenness. He's redeemed me. He's called me by name. He does that for us and he gives us a new name. It may not be Israel, but he calls us child of God. He, he calls us forgiven. He calls us loved by him. But it's going to mark us. It's going to leave us with a limp. When we have, a, when we have an encounter with Jesus Christ, there's going to be times in our relationship with him. It's going to leave us with a mark. It's going to leave us with a limp. I don't have time to share the story and I've never shared all of it. Only a few of you know it in this church, but Heather and I can tell you this. We didn't come here on a mountaintop from California to Hutchison. We came here limping. We came here limping to this church. We came down, discouraged, defeated, betrayed, hurt, broken. But can I tell you, looking back on it, we walk with a limp from our time that we left California to Hutchinson, can I tell you, I believe God's made me a better dad, a better husband, a better pastor, a better follower of Jesus. It's okay to walk with a limp. If it's God that's the one that's touched you and the God's the one that's helped you, the God that's the one that's brought you through. I, I was telling a, a few weeks ago a, a story of kind of my attempt and we're not there yet. I don't have time to tell that, but trying to run a marathon. And after the service, Uh, Jerry Green he told me that he had told my wife that he had ran this marathon with his daughters and uh, at the time Jerry's 60 years old so I don't know that's I'm going to tell his age he's I don't know that's 12 years ago something like that he's 60 years old sorry Jerry Um, he's 60 years old he's running this marathon in in Wichita with his with his daughters and he sends me this text 
think it was Monday morning, he sent me this text. I believe that's Stephanie and Kim. He said, Pastor, as I mentioned yesterday, I ran a marathon with my daughter when I was 60. Here we are finishing. We weren't just holding hands. The girls were dragging me across the finish line. And I have limped ever since. And if you know Jerry, he limps. He's not just saying that figuratively. What a badge of honor, first of all, to run across that finish line with your daughters. What a glorious picture that is. But the more glorious picture is this. Is God isn't just holding your hand and my hand. He's pulling us across the finish line. And we cannot get across the finish line without Jesus. We can't get across the finish line on our own. But you know what? There's going to be some parts in our journey that's going to leave us with a limp. But may it be to the glory and the praise of God that in his, in our weakness, Paul had a thorn in his side. He said, in my weakness, God is strong. Christ is strong. May we glory in our weakness so that we can glory in the cross and the, of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me this morning, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, this morning for your deep love for us. That why we were still sinners why we were far from you, why we were an enemy of God, you died for us. You sent your only son. You took our place. And Lord, what a beautiful story of Jacob you've given us that if we'll engage with you, if we'll engage and not run from you, if we'll refuse to let go, there's going to be times in our, even our Christian walk where we just want to give up and we want to quit. If we won't let go, if we'll confess you as Lord and Savior, you will throw mercy upon mercy down on us. You will flood us with the mercy of God if we will engage with you, if we will trust you, if we will look to you, if we will confess who we are, that we're sinners in need of a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for that good news today. Thank you that you love a Jacob like me. Thank you that you've given me a new name. Child of God. Friend. Loved by you. For every believer, they have that same name. Child of God. Child of the Most High God. Friend. Loved by you. This morning, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe there's someone here this morning. Today's the day to confess your name, who you are, to confess that you're a sinner in need of a savior. And if you'll engage and wrestle with God today, if you'll, if you'll refuse to let go, and if you'll confess who you are, he would love nothing more to then shower you with his mercy and his grace and fill you with a love that you could never explain. If that's you and you have not done that today, would you just raise your hand? I won't embarrass you, but would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Multiple hands on the left, some hands on my right. Is there hands on my right? Would you stand with us this morning? We pray a prayer of affirmation, of confirmation to our faith at the end of the service. So those who have raised their hand this morning don't have to pray this prayer alone or by themselves. But would you repeat after me? Let's make this our testimony. Let's make this our faith today. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and that you are the savior of the world. I ask you to come into my life. I'm Jacob. I repent of my sins. I accept you as Lord and Savior. My God and my friend. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Can we congratulate those who made that decision today? God bless you.